I think, though, this is coming back to I kind of want it to be sad. I don't want it to be sad. I think they're all sad. And I I like that. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this very special episode full of ambiance. Very special. Of that pretentious book club. We may sound a little different to you. That's because we're outside. We're outside, you guys. Can you hear the crickets? It's nighttime. This is the coolest I've been all day. This is the first time I've not been sweating all day long. (laughs) Yeah, there's quite a story to this, really. There is, yes. But first, before we get into that, because somebody left us a review complaining that we didn't introduce ourselves sooner, and I was like, you must be new here. Uh, That over there. Did they really? (laughs) did. They were like, I really wanted to get into like classic books seriously, and I was like, oh no, hun. Mm, This isn't the spot. This is not the spot for you. I apologize if that wasn't clear. Is that our first negative review? It's our first negative review. (gasps) Yay! We did it! Celebration! I think that legitimizes the rest of our reviews, really. I think it does, too. My favorite type of negative reviews are when they're not actually complaining about the quality, but they're complaining that they didn't understand what it was, which was largely what the review was. She's like, I wanted a serious podcast about books. And they were like, they were all over the place. They barely even got to the book at all. And I'm like... Yeah, you should listen to some of our they earlier episodes. That happens persuasion. Sometimes. I'm sure they did. I mean, <laughs> sorry everybody for persuasion. Thing also, is, though, no, I'm not sorry. That is the podcast. That it really is the podcast, and I only cared at all about the last third of the book, which I listened back through, and I was like, no, we we covered it. I'm like, no, no we did good. I feel no shame. But uh, I'm sorry if you were disappointed. I'm sure you're not back, so I don't yeah. know. Why I'm apologizing, but. If any of your friends are looking for a serious book club <laughs> podcast, do not recommend us. No, don't recommend us. Yeah. Listen, we're smart, but we don't act like it. No. What would be the fun in that? <laughs> we're not here to be smart. This is this is not about We're here that. for fun. Oh, where was I going with that? I'm honestly thrilled with that. I've been waiting for it. Have you? Yeah. I was like, ooh. And at first I was like, ha ha. And then I was like, oh, no feelings. And then an hour later, I was like, oh, wait, I don't care at all. <laughs> How many stars did she give us? She gave us one. One? We got a one star. But all every other every other review is a five star. Thank you, guys. You guys are wonderful. Yeah. So thank you for that. <laughs> I just think it's funny when someone's like, it's like if you went to a Mexican food restaurant and you're like, I'm so mad there was no Italian food. And you're like... Yeah. Yeah, maybe we haven't been upfront enough with the new I, listeners. Yeah. So I apologize if we're not upfront. If you are, let's just, I, maybe we'll just start doing a disclaimer at the beginning of the episode so everyone just knows what we're about from the start. This is a book club podcast, but it's a comedy book club podcast, which means if we're going to prioritize having fun or talking seriously about a book, it's always having fun. How many book clubs have you been to where you talk about the book the whole time? Seriously. None. Not that I have been to an in-person book club, but if I were to host a book club, here's how it would go. They walk in the door. One or more people has brought wine. We sit down. We go, hey, did you read this week's book? Uh Uh-huh. And then you start talking about like Linda's new boob job or something. And then an hour and a half later, you're like, oh, book club's over. (laughs) I like the book. Okay, bye, you guys. Yeah, that's pretty much. This is that level of, well, it's not quite that level. We do talk about the book every episode. We do try, but we are a little bit all over the place some episodes. Yeah. That's just how it is. I don't apologize for who we are, but I do apologize if we weren't clear enough about that. Yes. Don't yeah. you worry. We will be even more clear about it from now on. <laughs> it's a well, lot of nonsense yeah. with a little bit of bookishness in there. That's just how we roll. Actually, it, I would say it's solidly bookish it's nonsense. It's probably half. Half and half. 
Oh, but because, oh, this is where it started. The complaint was that we didn't introduce ourselves to the podcast early enough. So that's Dr. Spoon's Palermo. Oh, AKA yeah, Kendall we're doing Shaw. it again. Hi, howdy. <laughs> that is Ash O'Rourke, but you can call her Wheezy. It ain't easy being Wheezy. And we are the hosts of That Pretentious Book Club. That's the podcast. A bookish comedy podcast. We're not really pretentious, so. Well, maybe we are, but we wouldn't, why bit. would we be that way on a podcast? Listen. We're all little jokesters here. You know what? It's nice to know that there's someone out there who wants that from me, though. (laughs) (laughs) We should start another podcast for her specifically. Ooh. Well, what if we do do the same book, but we only talk in very serious, like, uh, (laughs) academic terms about it? Yeah. See, I don't have time for that. I would just say I don't have time for that either. I don't have the time or energy for that. I definitely don't have time for that this week because I'll segue into I just moved. And by just moved, I mean like two days ago. Yeah, we're here. And Spoons has been staying with me. So it's so much fun. Um, The thing is, we live in Texas. Spring has sprung Mm -hmm. and my AC has not sprung. No. It has died. It's dead in the water. It is... uh, yeah, the long winter has come for my AC unit, <laughs> just as the long spring and summer have arrived for me. So it's very, very hot inside the house. Uh, we're trying to get it fixed. And of course, you know, if you've ever dealt with your insurance people about anything, which this is my first time doing that, I'm sorry. I really am sorry. I'm more sorry for you than for the person who was disappointed by our podcast. Because <laughs> it is hell. They're like, prove it, prove it that it's broken. And I'm like, come out here and look at it and <laughs> they're step like inside the house <laughs> yeah like just step it you i promise you i'm not lying well prove us prove to us when it broke and i'm like i just moved in but we've home but the thing is that we've owned the home for like a month now so anything that broke within that month sorry but, it's okay um but the sellers were still here so basically anything that broke down or got worse within like the last month is technically covered by our insurance mm-hmm. but we weren't here so i cannot prove when stuff broke but all i know is when we bought the house stuff was working and now there's stuff that's not working so but yeah, there, i guess there's no way to prove it yeah that's that's the problem they're like prove it and i'm like i don't even know how to respond to that <laughs> you know what it reminds me of like that one thing on twitter where it was like Somebody texted their landlord and was like, hey, the uh, faucets or the hot water is not working. And they said, can you send me a picture? And they sent a picture of the faucet running and said, it looks like this, but not hot. (laughs) That's exactly what it feels like. They literally they said um, proof. They said we need proof that it wasn't that it was working before. And I'm like, you. I'm supposed to somehow go back in time and document that this device was, in fact, working in the past. Wait, wait a second. Let me really concentrate. I'm uh, traveling in my mind. I'm going back back in time. time. What kind of documentation would you prefer? Does it need to be notarized? Um, Here, I'll get my time travel document notarized for the insurance company. Anyways, so that's my long-winded way of saying we're outside because, A, it's cool and also it's cooler. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're at risk of mosquitoes, but honestly, I feel that that's preferable to sweating a ton. Mm -hmm. It is pretty hot and it's actually, yeah, it feels good out here. Yeah, it's really And it's mixing it up a bit. It is mixing it up a bit. You You guys get get some little uh, ambiance. Some, some nighttime farmstead ambiance. Yeah. We are, uh, I made the joke that we are redneck podcasting because we are, (laughs) all our equipment's (laughs) on like a crate out here and I've got the computer up on a tractor seat. Yeah, we are definitely. We're in folding chairs. This is what it looks like. We should be holding beer, but we're, that's sweet tea, so that's just country. That's fine, that's just classy. Yeah. 
really. Yeah, we're classy as hell. It's actually classy as hell. I actually <laughs> had a big okay, so you can you can tell me if you had this experience too. Growing up here in Texas, I felt felt that redneck was a rude thing to call somebody. And if someone had called me or my family redneck growing up, we would have been extremely offended. Uh yeah, but some people embrace it, you know. Yeah, but some people embrace it. But it's not like it's like a like a thing you want to like that everybody who lives in the country is like, yeah, I'm a redneck because there's redneck and there's country folk in Texas. And there's a very big difference between how you identify and present yourself. to Well, people. I think people could be I mean, redneck is, I guess, technically offensive. But is it, though? I mean, I think it I don't even know. Maybe I just missed when people became cool about it because Growing up, I just thought it was, I just thought like it was just rude. And I only heard it used as like a slur, almost like a slur. <laughs> like it was just like, it was just something you would not call somebody. Yeah. And now, and then people started, then I moved to Oregon and all these people like who lived out like in the rural areas would proudly proclaim that they are rednecks. And I had never experienced that before in my life because I had family who lived in the country, but they would have never called themselves redneck. Yeah. Because that's just not how you present yourself typically, unless you're making a joke maybe, but that's more common these days than those days so I don't know maybe I just missed when people got cool about it I don't know I guess it just depends on what your vibe is yeah listen my vibe (laughs) what's your country vibe my vibe is is, there's different vibes exactly maybe my maybe my farm aesthetic your farm aesthetic maybe my country family just wants to be identified as like country folk and not redneck one of them did name their kids Jameson I believe after the whiskey Um, <laughs> see, that's a little redneck. See, it, it, it would be. It would be. Um, and I have a vivid memory of us playing with BB guns out in the country at uh, some family reunion and, and him going, trying. we were shooting empty beer cans and soda cans and stuff with uh-huh. the BB gun. And he was just a little little kid at the time. And he was going, shoot a burr, shoot a burr, shoot a burr. Because he's got like, he had an accent. <laughs> and I don't even, I, I think his name's Jameson. This is not close family. This is like it's some big family thing at some point. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't even remember me. But I do. It was just the way he said it. I still think about sometimes. Good Lord. All that to say, if anyone's wondering, I do not identify as redneck. If you legitimately call me a redneck, I will legitimately punch you in the throat. <laughs> well, I don't think that you've ever given off that energy. It's just our our setup right now at this moment exactly. feels but see, that way. I just had to be clear that it's a joke because in my headspace and my like upbringing, like redneck isn't even something you would say as a joke but now people say it as a joke and being serious and I'm like and and it's not offensive either way and I'm like I just I just missed that I guess I just missed when that became a thing (laughs) I think some people really like it yeah they do I don't I don't love it I've never loved it but well I'll never call you that thank you just make you happy just wait I'm gonna piss you off one day and you're gonna be like oh my god it's because you're such a redneck ash <laughs> now that you live out here you know yeah that's true <laughs> she literally nice. has like a homestead out here guys I do it is so cool she has multiple pastures mm-hmm. and chickens and guineas yep they look like little dinosaur birds I love my guineas they are really freaky looking you guys you want to know what them. I named them <laughs> yes I named the guineas um 
turkey, chicken, and duck. <laughs> <laughs> now it's all in the chicken names. Uh, so there's two little bantam chickens. They're, li- they're littler ones. I didn't give them separate names. But I simply refer to them as the Tweedledees. <laughs> so that's the Tweedledees. I love the Tweedledees. There's a little Plymouth Rock chicken. So she's black and white. And I call her Dottie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so a big white rooster. And he's such a coward. I named him Bok Choy. Because bark, 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 bark. He's funny looking. I've gotten three laughs out of that. And one very stoic kind of grimace from my husband. <laughs> uh, and then... Uh, uh, there were two more chickens who needed to be named, and so I allowed uh, Spoons to do those honors today. Yeah, they're Jane and Elizabeth. Jane and after Elizabeth. After Pride and Prejudice, I, of course. I knew immediately from the second I was like, hey, you should name those two chickens. She was, I just knew for some reason. I was like, she's going to go Pride and Prejudice on this. I just know she is. Uh, I'm so proud of myself for sensing that. You really know me. I really do. <laughs> yeah. what it is. Uh, we, did not, we did not buy these chickens and guineas. They were here when we moved in from the sellers. We told them we'd be happy to keep them because it's kind of hard to round up birds like that and move them. But we are going to get, and they're all too old to lay now, but we are going to get some laying hens soon. No more roosters. There's already plenty of roosters. Mm-hmm. But we are going to get more guineas because they'll, like, get rid of snakes and stuff. So, apparently. It's going to be great. Yeah. And they're going to get a goat. And we're going to get a, a goat sheep. and a sheep. How cute is that? And we're getting a dog on Sunday, yes. you guys. We're adopting so a sweet baby girl. Well, she's coming for, like, a test week just to make sure she gets along with all the animals and she's okay living out here because it's very, very different from where she's been living. So, we just want to make sure that everyone gets along and is going to be happy in the long term. Because we're, we're, we're adopting her from a friend who's trying to rehome her. Um, but she's a little lab pit mix. And she is so cute in pictures. And apparently she's just so friendly. And I, I'm just so excited. I've been dreaming. I've been having dr- literal dreams about dogs for oh. weeks now. <laughs> so I'm very excited. Her name yeah. is Brownie. Her name's Brownie. Yeah. So cute. She's a little cutie pie. She's like pretty small compared to what I generally think of as, a, as like a normal sized dog. Mm-hmm. So... That's okay. Oh, oh, and did I tell you that we're gonna get a a Doberman puppy in the future? Oh my god! When we have more time to like, like really carefully like train and socialize and stuff, our little Doberman because they need like jobs to do. So, um, we're gonna get a Doberman because I love Dobermans. And guess what we're gonna name him? What Doberman Toretto? Like Dominic Toretto from Fast and Furious. <laughs> oh my God! That was of my course idea. you are. Oh my God! I just wanted to name him Dominic Toretto. Just call him Toretto. <laughs> and then Hobby was like, No, 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 Dobernick Toretto. And I was like, That's good. And then like a week ago, he was like, No, just Doberman Toretto. And I was like, Whatever you want. I'm just gonna call him Toretto anyway. So <laughs> Toretto. Hey, this Toretto. is so you. I love it. <laughs> so I love it. It's good. I'm apparently really good at naming animals. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think they're good. With myself. Guys, my house is so hot. I know I already said that, but I just like looked in there and I was like, I would not be You're surprised like, if there was like, not in there. fog. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Super, super glad. <laughs> Anyways, there's so much work to do. Spoons has gotten to witness it. She organized my bookshelf. You guys ever want help organizing your bookshelf? Spoons is the one to do it. My bookshelf has never looked so good. <laughs> yeah, I'm really good at putting books on a shelf. <laughs> but you did it in such a nice way and such so organized. And it looks so much better than it looked like the last time that I did it. Well, it's I'm so, glad you're happy with it. I'm very, very happy with it. Thank you. Do you want to get into the book? I, mean, I have to talk about the author, but do yeah, I want to? Yeah, that's what I to? mean. Well, I just mean, since apparently we take forever. That's no. true. This is very true. <laughs> to, to pacify you people who are like, I don't know, you even go a little bit too far for me. Here's another disclaimer. I did listen to this whole audiobook, 
but I listen to it whilst <laughs> unpacking and working simultaneously. So I only recall, honestly, like vignettes here and there from throughout <laughs> the book. So I will not have a ton to say. This is a this is a learning experience for me. This episode. This is Kendall's the star of this episode. I think. Listen, this has happened to me multiple times. Sometimes. Okay, not sometimes. It's happened like once or twice. I don't even finish the book. And ah! I pretend like I did. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm so relieved to hear this. I haven't done that yet, but this is, I have like been like, wow, I did not actually retain as much of that as I should while the I audio is playing. I not that on the pod. It's okay. Well, you know what? Mm-hmm. We're being upfront with people. This is our honesty episode. We, this is honesty episode. We don't want anybody to feel tricked. <laughs> we are... <laughs> This is who we are. Mm-hmm. But I like to think that this is how a lot of people like read books in a book club because you're like, God, I got to finish before book club today. <laughs> Literally. Oh, my God. I know. And because we have been moving. And if you guys have been here for a hot minute, you know, my husband has been out of town. Then my mom was out of town. So I didn't really have time to do like much reading before because I was trying to like pack and then also house it. And then... Also, like, driving back and forth out here to take care of the chickens, and it's quite a distance from our old apartment. Hooray for no more apartment living. Yay. Yeah, hooray. And then, um, oh, my train of thought. Oh, and then I got here, and of course, it's been constantly calling repairmen, or it's been unpacking boxes, and I still am only, like, a fifth unpacked, honestly. Everything needs to be cleaned. There's so much work to do around the property. So the fact that I even finished listening to the audiobook is shocking. <laughs> and we were, are recording like four days earlier than usual. Yeah, we are. So listen, guys, I did my very best. About this, this episode is what my very best looks like this week. <laughs> I will be and reading that... the bio off of Britannica.com. <laughs> Ooh, I love Britannica. Yeah. Well... I love this book, so I will say, you know, what I want to say. And that'll be good. And then we can end the episode. Sweet. Perfect. <laughs> I just got an ice cube in my mouth I wanted to crunch on, and then I realized I want a microphone, and I had to spit it back into my cup. <laughs> you don't get this behind-the-scenes content everywhere. This is this is the most behind-the-scenes we've ever this is done, very really. behind-the-scenes. Everyone's like, please, It's all coming less. out. <laughs> Even our, like, sweet, dedicated listeners are like, like um, hmm. I think you've pushed us a little They're too like, far. Hmm, I'm, I'm not in the club. <laughs> I'm not in the club. I think I'm going to find a different book club that takes books more seriously. <laughs> okay, please don't delete your five-star reviews. <laughs> oh, no. They're going to think that I'm being really bitchy about just getting, like, a one-star review. We're going to get a bunch more. <laughs> No, I'm not we don't trying care. To. I did sincerely, I did sincerely feel bad that I was like, "Oh, did like you really think that that's what this was?" Like, I would be disappointed too. Mm. I just, I feel like what's pretty obvious right off the bat that we're not. But I do feel bad if that's uh, if they were disappointed. But um, thank you guys for all of the very sweet reviews and for sticking with us. Yeah, <laughs> through our our wonderfully academic brilliant genius episodes and our episodes that are not so much (laughs) that at all listen you can't be on every week okay Mm -hmm. and this week's episode where ash did she played as if she was not the host of a book club but just in a book club she had to just show up to like yeah i heard of james joyce what about it yeah james joyce i think i've heard his name before all right 
So James Joyce, he is a very, very famous Irish author. I read him in school. We talked about him all the time. He was born February 2nd, 1882, making him in... Do you want to take a guess what his zodiac sign is? Mm, Scorpio. No. I don't know. An Aquarius. Oh. Yeah, so our boy James Joyce is an Aquarius, born in Dublin, Ireland. Wait, did you already say the date? I did. Yeah. See, I did it again. <laughs> I did it just like I did on the Mark Twain episode. I literally was looking at my phone because somebody had texted me. And then I was like, okay, putting away. And then I f- didn't hear you say the date. It's exactly like a real book club. So I would have gotten it right. Probably. Probably. I definitely wouldn't have guessed Scorpio. I still haven't made any effort to remember when different zodiac signs are. So it's always a surprise to me every single time. Well, I need to start paying more attention when you say the specific date. Okay. Anyway. This is the, really, this is just the most authentic book club y'all have ever been to. (laughs) This is like, what are we doing this time around? (laughs) What are we doing anytime? Every time I think that was the most chaotic episode we'll have, then we have another one and I'm like, nope. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I, what do you think our most chaotic episodes are? I think Peter Pan. I was say, Peter Pan is definitely persuasion. the top five. Persuasion also makes the top five. Mm-hmm. I think that the one, uh, I don't know. I feel like for some reason one of our Shadow and Bone episodes was kind That's of That's what chaotic. I was going to say. Well, our Shadow and Bone episodes were all very long. They were so long. So I'm sure there was a lot of chaos in there. Mm-hmm. I still also think that those were some of our best episodes. They were really good. But they're definitely some of our most chaotic. I don't know. You guys, what do you, what do you all think? What's our most chaotic episode? <laughs> what would you put in our top five most chaotic? <laughs> and at what point did you stop listening? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> At what oh point were you God. like, mm, this is too much for me? <laughs> I gotta go find me an academic podcast. Okay, so James Joyce. Uh, he was the eldest of 10 children um, in his family to survive infancy, which huh. is, you know, sad. Wait, so there were more than 10? Yep. Apparently, oh my God. Which is insane. Uh, he was sent at age six to a boarding school. His Wait. father, what? What year was he born again? 1882 okay why i was just wondering okay so apparently his father was fairly um well off when he was born but he did not stay that way uh his father became kind of a bit of a drunker started neglecting taking care of his family and like important just life affairs and stuff so he basically started borrowing money the family went into debt and became more and more poor unfortunately the quote from britannica.com is the children becoming accustomed to conditions of increasing sordidness which sounds is like sad. charles dickens yeah it does sound a bit like charles dickens um so he did not return to boarding school in 1891 instead he stayed at home for the next two years trying to educate himself and having his mother kind of like check his own work they were admitted uh this says without fee so i wonder if that's like on scholarship or something to a grammar school in dublin belvedere college and uh joyce did pretty well there academically and he was elected president of the marion society so Way basically head boy Nice work, Joyce. Head boy, James. Head boy. Apparently, he left school kind of having a lot of doubt, feeling that he had lost his Roman Catholic faith, which if you guys know anything about the history of Ireland and stuff, Roman Catholicism and Protestantism are like very, very big, unique parts of very separate cultures there and have like a huge, play a huge part in history. So that's pretty significant that he left school feeling that he had lost his Catholic faith. Uh, He entered University College Dublin, 
which at the time was staffed by priests. And he began studying languages and uh, reading a ton of books, um, even those not recommended by the priests, <laughs> and uh, took an active part in the college's literary and historical society. There's our James. You would have been in a club with him. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. I would, like, know people in the club, but probably would not go to the club. <laughs> I clearly can't get my shit together enough for that kind of thing. <laughs> I'd probably be in love with James if I was in that club. I have such a talent crush on him. I'm sure. I'm sure that you would be. This is just, like, I felt. I thought that I was reading something that was, like, I was hallucinating. But, no, this is what it is. What it is. So, he greatly admired the writer Henrik Ibsen, who I think, I want to say he Ibsen. wrote... A doll's house. A doll's house. house. Yeah. It's actually a doll house singular, but it gets translated as a doll's house, which oh. actually completely changes the whole point of the theme of the play, which I know because I studied a little bit. But yeah, anyway, so that's interesting. Um, it's I all about too, the oppression so of the housewife. Um, it's good. Anyways, yeah, Henrik Ibsen. And that's an amazing play. It really is. Uh, so Henrik Ibsen's great. Uh, James Joyce loved Henrik Ibsen. He learned Dano-Norwegian to read the original version and had an <laughs> article about it um, written uh, in the or published in the London Fortli- Fortnightly Review in 1900, just after his 18th birthday. That's like those people, like the weebs who are super into anime, so they learn Japanese. Yes, that's exactly like that. <laughs> that's exactly like that. Uh, and so... Basically, this him being this successful, just you know, at the age of eighteen and getting something published in such a big review, uh, kind of really strengthened his resolve that he wanted to be a writer. Way to go! Yeah, good for him. So uh, he published an essay, "The Day of the Rabblement" in nineteen o one, which was kind of an attack of the Irish literary theater, later named uh, the Abbey Theater in Dublin, uh, for being uh, for catering too much to like popular taste, which seems like a critique that I would make. I'm really liking our boy, James. Uh, I love him. He's such a weirdo. He is so strange. Uh, see, he passed his final exams um, with second class honors in Latin and attained his Bachelor of Arts in 1902. Um, apparently, he never felt that he was done learning and had never mastered the art of writing, but just continued to try to increase his skills, shouldn't we all? Uh, let's see. He wrote verses and experimented with short, short prose passages that he called epiphanies. You can totally tell in the Dublin Dubliner. So he like plays a, a lot with uh, verses. Okay, this is hilarious to me. To support himself while writing, he decided to become a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know the, what to say to that. The hardest profession you can do. He's like, I just, just to need, support like, your writing career. Side, I need like a side hustle, you know. <laughs> I'll just go to medical school. I'll just go to medical school. But after attending a few lectures in Dublin, he borrowed m- what money he could and went to Paris where he abandoned the idea of medical studies. <laughs> uh, he wrote some book reviews there and he studied in the, the St. Genevieve Library. He traveled a lot, it sounds like. He returned home in 1903 while his mother was dying, and that's where he tried a couple different side hustles, including teaching. He wrote a novel, Stephen Hero, based on the events of his own life. And then I think he wrote some short stories with an Irish background that appeared in a farmer's magazine called The Irish Homestead. And this is when he started writing the stories that were later published as Dubliners in 1914. Wow, so that really wasn't far into his writing career that he wrote Dubliners, which is Mm -mm. arguably one of his most well-known works well he was pretty busy you know with trying to go to medical school 
well, he abandoned that. <laughs> he was like, no. He's like, actually, no, thank you. Three of the stories, the sisters, Evelyn, and after the race, had appeared under a different and pseudonym, so a different name, Stephen Dedalus, before the editor decided that Joyce's work was not suitable for his readers. What? Yeah, oh, this happened to him a lot. That's so sad. Ooh, Britannica. Okay. Britannica says that meanwhile, jo- Joyce had met Nora Barnacle in June 1904. They probably had their first date and first sexual encounter on June 16th. <laughs> How did they know? I don't know. <laughs> the day that he chose as what is known as Bloomsday, the day of his novel Ulysses. Oh, I do know that. Okay, <laughs> yeah. If he persuaded her to leave Ireland with him. Um, although he refused to go through mar- through the marriage cer- ceremony on principle, I'd kick his ass. I'd be like, <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> oh, but they left Dublin together in October 1904. Nora, you're a patient woman. <laughs> I don't know how you did it. Uh, let's see. Let's see. He began working at Berlitz School at Pola in Austria-Hungary. Uh, in 1905, they moved to Trieste, which I think is, that's in, Itali- in, Ita- in Italian. Isn't that's in Italy, right? <laughs> Trieste? I don't know. I'm fairly certain that's in Italy, unless there's another Trieste that I'm, I'm not thinking of. Anyways, uh, their children, Giorgio and Lucia, were born. So those are definitely Italian names. Oh, yeah. For eight months, he worked at a bank in Rome. They're definitely in Trieste, mm-hmm. Italy, which is gorgeous, actually. Nice work, guys. Good choice. Um, this is, like, weirdly bridging, like, my family like a uh, ancestry or whatever uh. my my irish and italian heritage separately yeah he hated everything that he saw in rome so he started to miss <laughs> ireland <laughs> which sounds about right i'm not surprised he began to write his new story the dead uh, largely inspired by the irish virtue of hospitality which is in dubliners so he hadn't published Dubliners yet? It was 1914. Okay, he studied European literature, and he became interested in symbolists and realists, and he liked to basically express uh, the rivalry of these two movements. He decided that his book, Stephen Hero, lacked artistic control and form and rewrote it under the new title, A Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man. There it is. There it is. Uh, intended to direct attention to its focus upon the central figure. I definitely read that in school. I, I re- actually remember that a little bit. I read that for my English Lit degree. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1909, he visited Ireland twice to try to publish Dubliners and set up a chain of Irish cinemas. Interesting. <laughs> and neither effort was successful. Oh, no. And just to, just to top off that part of his life, he learned that a former friend of him had shared Nora's affections in the summer of 1904. Ooh. So that's distressing. And then another old friend proved this to be a lie. However, oh. Joyce still felt that he had been betrayed. And that theme of betrayal runs through a lot of his later writings. When Italy declared war in 1915, Joyce and his family were allowed to go to Zurich, which I think is where he later died. First, he gave private lessons in English and worked on the early chapters of Ulysses, Ulysses. Mm-hmm. which he th- first thought of as another short story about a Mr. Hunter. At this point, he was really struggling financially. Uh, he did get help from a large grant by Edith Rockefeller McCormick and finally another series of grants from Harriet Shaw Weaver who was an editor of the Egoist magazine, which I actually think that I've heard of. Her generosity resulted partly from her admiration for his work and partly from her sympathy with his difficulties. Because as well as uh, his poverty, he had an eye disease that never left him. Poor guy. He does wear glasses in his pictures, doesn't he? Okay, so from February 1917 until 1930, how many operations do you think that he endured on his eyes? Oh, my God. Uh, 10. 25. (gasps) 
No. Mm-hmm. For aritis, glaucoma, and cataracts, sometimes being for short inter- intervals totally blind. I do not trust 1920s eye surgery. eye surgery. I trust it less than all the other surgeries I don't trust <laughs> from that time. Yeah. Absolutely. Nobody's tuck- touching my eyes. I'm shocked that... 25 operations and he didn't end up completely blind <laughs> yeah um so oh god despite that he continued working writing um some of his most joyful passages began where he wrote while his health was at its worst which is wild uh he had a hard time finding an english printer willing to set up a portrait of the artist as a young man for a book publication which is not surprising to me at all then weaver the woman who had given him that grant decided that she would have it printed in the united states it was mm-hmm. published in 1916. In March 1918, the American Little Review began to publish episodes from Ulysses. Ulysses is thought to be constructed as a modern parallel to Homer's Odyssey. It was published in 1922. All of the action takes place in Dublin. I only mention this because this is, like, probably, would you say this is his most famous work or a Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man? Uh, I don't know. They're probably equally. I think Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man might be more famous, but Ulysses is infamous. Is infamous. Because it was like so banned and stuff. Yeah. And then <laughs> Dubliners is just loved. It's just fairly beloved as a book. I mean, I it was also so. banned. It was also banned from some places like back then, but not. I mean, I think that was a hot minute ago. I have not read Ulysses, but I want to. I read, everyone says uh, it's super weird. I read excerpts from it in school, but I have no memory of them at mm-hmm. all. But I know we had to read excerpts of it. Apparently, it was supposed. It has like quite the breadth of humor. Apparently, it was supposed to be uh, relatively funny. I believe it. So this is part of what makes Ulysses so unique uh, in literature is that it's like one of the first um, major books to carry the interior monologue like a step further than usual. So it includes like half thoughts stream of conscious like interrupted stream of consciousnesses lapses in thought and hesitation Mm -hmm. sudden impulses and stuff which is just really interesting he's not the only one to do that there's some like female historical writer who did that and she did it amazingly i can't remember her name right now is that pretentious enough for you guys i don't remember her name (laughs) but i studied her in school i will if i if i remember her i'll i'll drop it but anyways ulysses was already well known because of the censorship troubles yeah because that started pretty much immediately And so it was famous upon publication, or infamous uh, upon publication, right away. In Paris, Joyce worked on Finnegan's Wake, which is another novel that's fairly well known. Um, Yeah, Finnegan's Wake. Finnegan's Wake, yeah. Uh, It was published in 1939 in its entirety. And in addition to his chronic eye problems, Joyce began suffering uh, serious and prolonged anxiety over the mental health of his daughter, Lucia. What had seemed to be eccentricity in her... Uh, grew into an unmistakable and sometimes violent mental disorder that Joyce tried by every possible means to cure. But she was eventually placed in a mental hospital near Paris. And so Joyce is pretty torn up about that. Um, Let's see. In 1931, he and Nora visited London, where they were finally married. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. His scruples on this point having yielded to his daughter's complaints. So <laughs> Lucia was like, oh, in the mental hospital. And she's like, you put me here. You go marry my mom. <laughs> yeah. So that happened finally. So in World War II, after the fall of France, Joyce took his family back to Zurich, where he had lived briefly before. And that is where he died. And um, apparently his the most recent book he'd come out with had not been received well. And so he was still pretty bummed about that when he Aww, passed away. Oh, man. I don't remember which book that is. I'm trying to scroll back and see it. 
The last book that's mentioned in this bio prior to this is Finnegan's Wake, so I'm guessing it is. Yay! That was the worst, most on-the-fly author bio ever. (laughs) I apologize. It was thorough, though. It was thorough. I will try not to do that again for another three seasons. I feel like every three seasons, y'all can give me one. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, that is James Joyce. Yay, James Joyce. I hate it whenever authors or artists or whoever die feeling like they're not appreciated or whatever yeah i hate that that's how i'm gonna die (laughs) (laughs) it makes me so sad no you're not okay (laughs) so i will talk about dubliners dubliners yeah i'm just gonna i'm just here to listen basically and see if i can do it no James Joyce. No, I can't do James it. Joyce. I'm going to offend somebody. Um, <laughs> terrible I've already Irish offended accent. people. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot. I wanted to add when I was in um, when I went to Ireland for the second time, we uh, went to the Irish Writers Museum. Ooh, that's uh, right. You told me about this. And it was heavy James Joyce energy, you know. And I was pumped about it. Heck yeah. uh, Because I had read Dubliners already in my (laughs) Irish literature class, senior year of college, and I loved it. And so I was like, and I had like just read it too. It was like my last semester. (laughs) So I was like pumped. And then I went on the trip. The house that the museum is in was a writer's house. I can't remember if it was James or not. I thought you told me it was James Joyce. I but think it was, a while it was ago. James, but it might not have been. There was like multiple writers there, you know. Yeah. We also went to Oscar Wilde's house, but that was a different thing. That's on right. the other side of town. Oh, I love um, Oscar. Oh my god, me too. But uh, uh, Irish writers the best. They're so they clever. are the best. They're so funny. <laughs> I know they're amazing. Such a good sense of humor. Oh my god. But when we went upstairs, there's like multiple floors, you know. And we went upstairs, and they have one room that's set up kind of like a dining room situation Uh and it's very pretty but they're they're playing the dead the movie on a loop oh my god (laughs) and i was like this is where i want this is where i want to be all the time (laughs) it was amazing oh my god anyway so yeah that was great but yeah okay so basically dubliners like we said is just basically a little book of short stories about different people mm-hmm. in Dublin. I did not realize that it was a book of short stories. Yeah, I should have uh, told you that. I was so surprised. I mean, I was into it. <laughs> but uh, I honestly love short stories. Um, I wish that there were more books that were just short stories. I guess I could read them more. This is my fault. Um, <laughs> there are plenty. So here's my thinking. I... Don't have strong opinions about all of the stories, but I do on some. Perfect. So I'm just going to say what the stories are, mm-hmm. and then I figure we can just talk about our favorite ones. Hell yeah. Well, okay. you can talk about your favorite ones. I'll be honest. They're also blurred together for me <laughs> okay. because of trying to I'll talk to about my favorite ones. Perfect. Okay, so the stories are The Sisters, mm-hmm. which is about this priest who dies. Yes. Then we have an encounter. I vividly. I remember that one vividly. That one's about the boys who are like playing and they want to go on an adventure but then they Mm -hmm. meet that weird old man super weird old man yeah that one was crazy oh and i had read some of these in my class but not all of them so Mm -hmm. some of them were new for me uh then we have araby one of my favorites it's about the boy who has a big crush on that girl yes and he goes to the bazaar for her i remember that one that's a good one that one is so good but it makes me cry very sad uh and then we have eveline eveline that's the one where the girl is trying to choose between like staying with her normal life or going off and uh-huh. running away with that yes, boy. That's right. 
Then we have After the Race, which is about those racing guys. There are like three of them. I don't remember that one. I clearly did not care. <laughs> that one was not my favorite, but it's fine. Then we have Two Gallants. There's like two guys who fight. <laughs> and then, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then we have The Boarding House. Uh-huh. I actually like this one. I hadn't I read it before. I that one. I remembered that one. It's about um, a girl who... Her mom runs a boarding house, and then Mm -hmm. she and this guy start, like, flirting and stuff. Uh And then we have A Little Cloud. This one is about a guy who is kind of upset that his friend from his past is more successful than he is. (laughs) (laughs) And then Counterparts. This is another one where people fight. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. And then we have Clay. This one was where uh, it's that lady, Maria, and her... She like kind of is like she's not married and people keep like saying yes, like, yes, oh, that one and all that. Aww. And then she buys that plum cake and forgets uh-huh. it and everyone's yeah. being nice to her. Yeah. I don't know why this one made me really sad, but like I was like, I don't know. I really liked it. It made me sad, but not like a depressed sad. No, just it's like just a, kind of like a like kind of like a melancholy. It was like a little portrait of a lot of yeah. these are just kind of like little snapshots yeah. of life. Yeah. They and really then we are. have a painful case. That one was crazy. It's the one about the couple who has like an affair and then they break it off. And then like four years later, he finds out she died. She like stumbled into a train track. And <gasps> That's right. Because she was a drunk. Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. Oh. It's really crazy. That's horrible. Uh, that one was so sad. <laughs> that one was awful. Uh, and then we have Ivy Day in the committee room. Another one I didn't super... I, I hadn't remember. read it before, and I didn't, like, remember it a lot, but it's, uh, like, about politics and, like, um, there are some canvassers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's right. I'm, and, I'm remembering uh, much more than I thought I retained, yeah. so I'm impressed with myself And right then now. we have A Mother. That is the one about the music. Yes. I believe. Yes. That one made me mad. Yeah, that one made me <laughs> mad, too. That was ridiculous. Uh, and then we have Grace, which is a lot of talk about the Pope. I remember the talk about the Pope. Yeah, yeah. and then we have The Dead, my favorite. Which is about a dinner party and then an epiphany late at night. So those are That's quick the one I suddenly little... don't remember. <laughs> what? <laughs> the one that you're all excited about. I'm like, what? Which one? Those are quick little run-throughs of what they are about. My favorites that I would like to discuss are... I think I kind of want to touch on an encounter because it was crazy. I love Araby. Um, and mostly I want to talk about the dead. Araby, that's the one with the where the kid goes to the bazaar. Yes. Okay, sweet. The, the encounter and the Araby, I actually remember fairly well. So that's cool. Yeah. The only one I don't remember is apparently the dead. <laughs> You'll remember when I talk. Weird. I think that um, one of the main, th- I guess, a good way to tie them together because it's like hard to do summaries for all of them or whatever. But yeah, a good way to tie it together is I think there are a lot of overarching themes mm-hmm. across a lot of the stories. Yeah. Um, I wrote some down that I thought so were she's relevant. So prepared. This is this is why you listen. I really like more than book. one person. Okay. Uh, so I think one of them is kind of like a lot of the characters. I think feel stuck in their normal lives, mm-hmm. like the repetition of their daily lives. Yeah. And there's kind of this thing about having all these hopes, but then usually they don't come true, and uh-huh. or they don't pursue them. Yeah. And it is so sad. <laughs> but 
it's kind of I think very common actually it's yeah, like a realistic. thing it's very realistic yeah um and so or it's not what you think it's going to be mm-hmm. that's one that I think comes up a lot so for instance in um an encounter uh we have like our main character the little boy who they they play they're like playing together all of his little school friends and stuff mm-hmm. and they all have these like grand ideas of like we're going to go off and be adventurers. Yeah. And they go on a little adventure around the town and all uh-huh. this. I'm having a great time. But then there's, Just but then once they actually out. get out there, yeah, they're, once they're confronted with, oh, here's a new experience. Yeah. It's like disturbing and it makes them kind of long for their repetition again. Yeah. Or at least they're like um, veil from reality. Yeah. Because they meet this weirdo guy. Oh, he's and so at first weird. they're kind of into it because yeah. they're like having an adventure and they're meeting new people. But then yeah. they're like, wait, maybe like, it's wait, not safe creepy. to go on adventures. <laughs> maybe this guy's sketchy. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should go home. Yeah. But it's sad because at the end, um, I don't know if you remember, but the main character... He's kind of the one who catches on, so like this is weird. Yeah, and other um, his other friend is so. just like running around. He's like chasing a cat or something. Yeah, and uh, he like calls out to his friend, but there's a line in there that makes me like really sad, where he says something like, "I think I always despised him," or like he realizes that he doesn't even like his own friends. Yeah, but he also doesn't like this new experience he's having, and yeah. I feel like he's kind of learning a lot about <laughs> the weight of the world in this moment for yeah, a small child. Yeah. Which is the same sort of thing that happens in Araby, but on a different level, I guess. Because the whole thing in Araby is this boy has a crush on this girl. She can't go to the bazaar. He's he's going to go go and get her something. It's very cute. And he has all of this built up in his head. He's been telling everyone, I'm going to the bazaar. He told his family. And to him, it's like the biggest deal in the world. It's like life or death because he's a kid. And this is the thing that he cares about right now. But of course, to all the adults who have jobs, who have stuff to take care of, they're not even thinking about it. And they're like, yeah, we heard you. You want to go to the bazaar? Yeah. (laughs) And it's so, I don't know how James managed to do this, but he captures that the, feeling the so well yeah the because states. i like remember being a kid and feeling this way yeah whereas like no you don't understand this is my thing right now yeah exactly but like when you're an adult you're like okay like it's like, not the stakes aren't you recognize it's not a big deal but stakes yeah. aren't high but to him it he's is like the stakes are very high yeah he's like this is my life right now yeah and so of course he's waiting for his grandpa to come or his uncle to come home and give him money so he can go to the bazaar and his like caretakers are not being mean at all no they're just not understanding they don't get that yeah and so the guy his uncle is super late Mm -hmm. um he's like oh i'm sorry i forgot yeah (laughs) and so it's like this crushing thing where it's like the the kid anyway he's kind of coming terms with Mm-hmm. some harsh realities at the same time he is. um but then so he's still kind of got this hopeful thing going and so he ends up going but like the, i don't know how james did it but the descriptions of this like closing, closing down, down. Yes. like dark it's not nobody's there yeah uh bizarre that he ends up at yep. and he walks around and he made it but like it's nothing like he had in his mind no it's nothing like he expected it's mostly closed there's definitely nothing he can get for the nothing girl he can do yeah. the people who were there are like are you gonna buy something and he's, and like, he's like i guess not none of this stuff no <laughs> and there's like the thing where i think the last 
little part is him just standing in the bazaar and like the lights just going off. Yep. And it is so, so heartbreaking. <laughs> and you're like, okay, in the big scheme of things, it's not the big a deal. But you know, as a kid, you would just be like, this is the worst day of yes. my entire life. And it's like, I think it's just the first. I think what's so sad is that it's like, not everything that you dream about is going to come true. No, <laughs> no. And even if you get it, it might not be what you want. It's not what you be. want. Nothing yeah. is ever the way you think it's going to be. That is and sometimes it's for the worst. Very, very true. And 100%. it's so sad. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I think that that's kind of unfortunately, <laughs> or maybe, I don't know. I think it's, it's just kind of a prevalent thing. And then we also have, um, I was going to, I thought of another one on my original point of, um, kind of like unfulfilled dreams mm-hmm. or uh, even unpursued, mm-hmm. like people who want to get out of their re- repetitive life, but they can't for whatever reason. Yeah. Like this was kind of his big thing, you know, Yeah, but, but he, it still ended up being nothing. Nothing. Basically, it basically was a non-starter. It was a nothing. It didn't, it was the nothing. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even really like, I mean, it was disappointing, but it's not even like he got to experience like the, the wholeness of the bizarre and be disappointed. Yeah. He like, Got like just like a glimpse of the worst, most boring to a kid part of it. Yeah. And that was it. And then and the lights it. went out. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> but um then we like on that same sort of note, we also have uh Evelyn. Mm-hmm. Uh her thing, her story fascinates me because hers is that she, you know, has she's kind of been like seeing this boy and he's Mm -hmm. like a sailor yeah and so he's like kind of promising her the world here like we're gonna go on adventures and we're gonna go they're going to like buenos aires or something Uh and she kind of hates her life yeah back in dublin Mm -hmm. and she has like nobody really appreciates her and um there's like hints that maybe her house is a little abusive and all Uh of this and so to her, this is amazing. Like, he's going to rescue her, basically, is what she yeah. keeps saying. But then when she's actually faced with changing it, yeah. like, at the end. With time, it's time to go. She, like, can't do it. Yep. And it's this, it, she, and she starts thinking about, my life isn't that bad. I have my family. Sometimes yep. they love me. All of this. And yeah. it's like. I just am obsessed with the way James writes this yeah. because it's so you can feel everything because she's so back and forth on it. But yeah. like you're never and I'm like right there with her. I'm like, I don't know. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. But it's it's such a big deal. And in this case, it's not really. It is almost like it was never going to happen, yeah. you know? Yeah. And she just kind of knows that so she doesn't do it yeah (laughs) but it also like it could maybe happen I don't know it's it's so interesting it is so human nature he has captured like the human experience for so many different types of people from children to women to men to different types of those groups yeah it is super weird how effectively he captured the human experience it's like disappointment loss Mm -hmm. hope indecision hope indecision exactly oh in a little cloud with the the guy who his like friend comes back and he's like a famous writer now and all this our main character is kind of in this thing where he's like okay i have a wife i have a child i'm fine financially (laughs) but like what is my life about yeah he like doesn't know what he's doing and uh-huh. he's kind of like wishing that he was 
more bold and mm-hmm. more poetic. There's something, there's one line where he says something like he's searching his soul to see if it has the weight of a poet or something like that. Interesting. I, it's like so good. That's along the lines of like unpursued hopes and dreams sort of. Uh-huh. But also, or like unattainable. Yeah. But then also wishing you could like, yeah, get out of your rut, but yeah. then not having a way to do it. Yeah. Because he wants to, but he doesn't have the talent or yeah. the boldness or anything. Yeah. It's just like different ways that people are stuck where they are, basically, is what a lot of the book is about, I think. It is, yeah. And it's so fascinating. Like just like totally different people and for totally different reasons. It's so wild and so valid. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Or a painful case. We have the two lovers. They're... They love each other, but they're having an affair and neither of them are happy in their real life mm-hmm. or in their normal life. So they kind of like have this thing with each other, but then they're like, okay, we can't do this. This is like a bad thing to do, which mm-hmm. it is. Don't cheat on your spouse. Yeah, don't do that. Um, but then at the end, it becomes when he reali- when he like looks back and is like, oh, we've been separated for four years and now she's dead because mm-hmm. she's was depressed and yeah. was lonely and yeah. I've been lonely. And he's mm-hmm. like, we could have been happy together for four years. Yeah. And it's like, and he he says something about like, she died lonely. And he's like, and I'm going to die lonely in a couple of years. And Aww. that kind of thing. He yep. just like accepts so or knows sad. that that's what his life is. It is so sad. That is so, so, so many sad. of these stories are tragic. But he, there's nothing, he's not going to do anything about it. Yeah. There's nothing he can do about no. it. There's no, like, manufactured tragedy. This is just real, raw, everyday human tragedy. This is, yeah, like, people feeling stuck, Mm -hmm. people feeling lonely or Mm -hmm. helpless to, like, change anything about their lives. Yep. And I think it's interesting that normally I feel like an author would provide more of a, like, no, but you can. You just have to be more bold or you have to do this or this. But Joyce is, like... No, sometimes this is just how it is. He's like, life life breaks your heart and that's it. And you move on and your heart just kind of stays broken. You tape it back together a little. It doesn't, you can't, you don't fix it. You just move on. I agree. (laughs) I guess I want to talk about the dead because it's my favorite. So the dead is like the longest story in the book. It was made into a movie. Basically, it's about, there's these two old ladies and they have a party like every year and it's like kind of a little dance. Basically, they invite the same people every year. So it's just kind of opening on this party. And their nephew, Gabriel, is kind of the main character. He and his wife, Greta, are at this party. And then there's also this drunk guy there who everyone hates, yes. who I actually like. <laughs> but I actually wrote a whole thing about him in my class. Oh, um, I believe that. But anyway, <laughs> um, and then there is their niece. And then there's a couple of other like characters, like, uh, like there's a singer. Gabriel is kind of a little bit agonizing over this speech that he's going to give because he gives a speech every year at this party. Uh-huh, yes. So we get to see a little bit of Gabriel at the be- very beginning because he's thinking about his speech and he's like, should I include that Robert Browning quote or is it going to go over their heads? He's like, because I'm the one who's most educated here. So, <laughs> you know, and you're kind of like, okay, you're I like, mean, I guess. Sit down. But then you're like, are you being pretentious right now? <laughs> and then um, we also he also has like a weird encounter with one of the maids, her name is Lily, because she says something about, he says something about like, hey, are you seeing anyone? Like kind of like, she's like just asking about her life because he knows her. Yeah. And she says something like about, all oh, men are trash, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't know what to do. So he kind of like 
flams up and then he like gives her Mm -hmm. like a some money for christmas or whatever Mm -hmm. and she's like oh okay thanks um (laughs) so we kind of and then he also has a weird encounter with this lady miss ivers who basically kind of presses him about his politics yeah Uh, this is kind of when like nationalism in ireland was kind of that's right like because this is you know pretty soon before um like easter rising and all that so Mm -hmm. yeah things are kind of heating up um and he kind of like doesn't really have an answer for her but he gets like annoyed and like they kind of get in a fight yeah and so she ends up leaving and he doesn't he doesn't really know what to do with that either we kind of gabriel's not very good at conflict um (laughs) but basically this party is going on and there's I think this party is so interesting because there's so many weird like that little conflict he had with Miss Ivers. There's so many like weird little uh moments where everyone seems like they're having a great time, but then there's like little pockets of like, oh, that's a little insult or that's a little yeah. conflict. Yeah. Which is I think kind of common for I mean people. Uh, yeah, people yeah. just do this. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so um it's just interesting. Um, he does his speech and everything's great. And his speech is kind of about like Irish hospitality and yeah, how yeah, great yeah. these two ladies are and all this uh-huh. and, uh, you know, all that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So basically the party's, uh, the party ends and, uh, everyone's kind of leaving and he's, there's this one guy, they had had this whole argument about like who the best tenor in Ireland is or whatever. Um, uh-huh. And there's this one guy there who's like a really good singer, but he mm-hmm. hadn't been singing because he's like, I have allergies or whatever. <laughs> he's like, I have a cold. Yeah. And so they're like, okay. But after, like, while everyone's kind of leaving, everything's clearing out, um, Gabriel's downstairs and he can hear that the guy is singing upstairs with the one of the gals who oh, plays yes, piano. that's right. And he looks up and his wife, Greta, is standing on the landing and uh-huh. she's like, listening to the guy sing mm-hmm. and this she moment is, was described so beautifully yes it's amazing she's like enraptured she looks very deep in thought kind of yeah. like she's clearly like nothing matters except for this singing right now yeah and so he's watching her and he's like oh my god my life is hot basically yeah. <laughs> and he's yeah. like i am obsessed with her right now like he's really like, i wish her. i was a poet and i would or an artist and i would like paint the lines of her yes. dress or something like yeah, that. yeah it's a really good little yeah. scene there i don't know i think there are multiple ways to read gabriel because mm-hmm. you can kind of see it as like he's just like at, and then after you know they leave and all this and she's he's kind of thinking about her and like he's like oh my god i gotta jump her bones now like yeah. he's super into her right yeah. now um, and he's thinking about all the times that they've had together and like mm-hmm. kind of thinking about their love story and stuff. Yeah. But so it's like, I don't think any of the verbiage is like extremely like this, but you can, some of the way, the things that he says, you're almost, it's like he wants to, um, it's a bit possessive. It is a bit possessive. Yeah, he, I agree. He like wants to. He says something be, about like he wants to overmaster her. Yeah, or something. he's very. I mean, but previously there's been like a lot of really sweet stuff too about it. He's definitely there's definitely some sincere feelings too. But yeah, there's yeah. definitely possession. I think so too. Yeah. But I think that's partly because he's like real lusty right now. Yeah. So he's kind of like lust. he wants it to be about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is what it is. I think. Hundred percent. He wants her like enrapturement with that. Uh-huh. peace and like her whatever she's feeling he wants yeah. it to be about him yes um and so 
they get back to their hotel and he's like so hot and heavy for it yeah and he's like hey babe and but she's kind of in a different she's like her head's somewhere she's else in a different space yeah. yeah and so he's like oh okay so he's like trying to get her like excited like, yeah and so he's asking her about stuff and she basically ends up revealing he's like uh like then he's finally like okay what's up with you yeah. and she says something about she can't stop thinking about the song uh-huh. and she basically reveals to him that this whole thing about how before she even met him there was this boy named michael fury uh-huh. who she used to go on walks with and stuff i guess uh-huh. they're both from galway and uh they were kind of sweethearts is what it seems like yeah but and he had the most beautiful voice and he would sing that song a lot oh and that's so right. they used to walk together and all this but he was kind of like a little sickly mm-hmm. and uh so then when he when gabriel is like oh he's from galway and they had talked before in the story about her like going back to galway or something mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I guess that's why you want to go, huh? So you can see him. Uh-huh. And she's yeah, he's like. He's getting real pissy yeah. about it. Yeah. And because, you know, he'd kind of been like, okay, this is ruining my whole idea You're of what this was going to be. Okay. And she's like, he's dead. And then mm-hmm. it kind of, he's like, oh, okay. And he's like, oh, well, then what did he die from? And she goes, I think he died for me. And basically he had like been out. She was going to like end up leaving for the summer or something. Uh-huh. And they're both, like, 17. Yeah. And he uh, was, like, outside of her window in the snow. Uh-huh. And he and she goes down and is like, listen, I I have to go, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he says something like, I don't want to live. He's so in love with her, yep. is what Gabriel's reading from this, that he, like, doesn't want to live without her. Yeah. And then he ends up dying, like, a week and a half later. Yeah. Probably because, you know. He's you sickly uh, get sickly from uh, going outside and yeah. old stuff. Yeah. And everybody knows that. Everyone water knows on, that. That water contact, if it's not <laughs> swimming or a bath, will you will kill die. You. <laughs> yeah, if on. you have a cough, don't even think about breathing air, outside air. Think about it. Go back inside. doesn't matter how hot it is in there. <laughs> Literally. It is so sad. And so this is the thing where Gabriel is now like, oh, my God, this whole time I've been thinking about all of the times I've had with my wife mm-hmm. and how, you know, much he thinks he loves her. He's like, I have never felt that way about anybody. Yeah. And he's like, I've never felt that way about her and all this. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, my God, like, there's this whole other person I didn't even know about. Yeah. And she, he means more to her than I probably ever will just because of that kind of yeah. thing. And maybe not – he doesn't – quite specify that to that extreme but like that's kind that's of the, the implication impression. well he's like i could never die for her basically yeah it's, it's the implication that well the last guy he died for her love yeah basically. so it's like doesn't that mean more than what i can do as her husband yeah and so he's like then they just go to bed and he kind of feels like oh my god like i don't know if I, do i even know her like yeah he's like who is this woman we're like strangers and it's just so so sad it is. and i actually did remember that one vividly it is so amazing i'm gonna cry yes, <laughs> um, you are she's tearing up i'm everybody. literally crying uh can we just like segue it into favorite quote because i just want to read the last absolutely. paragraph absolutely give me your favorite quote okay every time i read the last paragraph i, cry. I was pulling up to your house listening to the um 
Oh my god, is this that why you one? were like so like oh, quiet and kind of morose when you I was in? I had just been sobbing in my car. Oh my god, I was like, is she okay? Okay. I had like active tears on my face. Oh my god. God, I wish I could read this whole last thing. So basically, Gabriel has this whole thought process of he starts kind of pondering death and you know, what's it going to be like when his aunt Julie dies and uh it's going to be kind of like this where he doesn't really know what to say and like there's this whole kind of idea, I think, that even the dead still, it's almost like they're on par with the living because they still have such a hold on us, uh-huh. which is a fascinating idea. I think he kind of has this idea also, like we said, that Michael Fury, he was only like 17 when he died, but he'll stay with her forever because yep. because he of died. like... Yeah, because of how it ended and all of that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and he'll, she, and he's still like still remembered. So it's almost like he is as much alive as he, as Gabriel is. Uh-huh. And then Gabriel kind of has this thought of like, it's almost like he's pondering his own death <laughs> and what will happen when I die. Will I have made that much of an impact? And so anyway, here's the last paragraph. A few light taps upon the pane made him turn to the window. It had begun to snow again. He watched sleepily the flakes, silver and dark, falling obliquely against the lamplight. The time had come for him to set out on his journey westward. Yes, the newspapers were right. Snow was general all over Ireland. It was falling on every part of the dark central plain, on the treeless hills, falling softly upon the bog of Allen, and further westward, softly falling into the dark, mutinous Shannon waves. It was falling, too, upon every part of the lonely churchyard on the hill where Michael Fury lay buried. It lay thickly drifted on the crooked crosses and headstones, on the spears of the little gate, on the barren thorns. His soul swooned slowly as he heard the snow falling faintly through the universe and faintly falling like the descent of their last end upon all the living and the dead. That's amazing. It is unbelievable. I wish I could write like that. I wish I could write like that. It is. I mean, really, every line from by, from James Joyce is amazing. He is so it's evocative, is what it is. And in a word, evocative is everything that he writes. Oh, it's so true. It's yeah. like I don't. It's like putting into words something that you kind of knew but haven't really something you thought. can kind of like sense and you've definitely yeah. experienced but you've never actually thought about it in tangible yes, terms yes exactly and then he's like well this is what it is and you're like what you're like that's what it is oh my god that is what it is <laughs> there's some line in the book about um like i think it's in the what's the one where the kid goes to the bizarre araby araby because he's got the crush on the girl i think that he says something about like a. Uh, he was a harp and she everything that she did like plucked yes his, I feel like I that's James Joyce is just like plucking like all the heart like all the harps like strings yes. and stuff on all of his readers he's so good at it it is unbelievable um this is my favorite quote I actually thought I wasn't gonna pick a favorite quote because I was like I can't be a total phony if I don't remember any of it but then I feel like fairly confident because I actually only didn't remember like two of the short stories that you mentioned mm-hmm. so I'm impressed with myself um so this is my favorite quote I mean there's so many quotes so I don't know if this is my favorite but this is one that I feel that everybody can definitely relate to so the quote is very simple there was no doubt about it if you wanted to succeed you had to go away you could do nothing in Dublin I think, I think a lot of people feel that way about where wherever it is that they live. Yeah. People who are like, or maybe not where you live, but where you grew up. You feel mm-hmm. like, I have to move. Like, you can't stay here. And and that's not for everybody. Some people stay around where they live their whole lives. And they 
feel like they can pursue things. But I know a lot of people get the travel bug or they feel like they have to move. They feel like everything is just too small, too close. They just know it too well. Right. And since they know it too well, then they already know what all their options are there and they can never have what they want. So if you want to succeed, you have to go away. I think a lot of people have that impression, but I don't think it's necessarily true because the people who live in the place you're going to feel the same way. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But I think that quote also is like a really good... uh summary of some of the themes really because it's kind of just what a lot of the characters feel it's exactly right that's also i was like they feel stuck yeah i fully agree yeah anyways favorite what's your what was your favorite i would say your favorite short story or favorite part but i already know what your favorite short story is (laughs) i guess what's your favorite part of your favorite short story um the ending the ending i love the last like two pages right after it's basically when he has his epiphany. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with it. It makes me cry every single time. Mm-hmm. And I don't even really know why. Uh-huh. I think part of it is just that the writing is so good. I do think my favorite moment comes from that story. I When he's describing, like when he's watching his wife, like listen yeah. to the song and he's like describing her, like it's all uh-huh. like artistic and poetic. And it's so vivid mm-hmm. that I can just totally picture it. And I think that's my favorite, like little tiny moment. Because yeah. it just, I knew it's not even about favorite so much as it is. It just stands out so vividly in my uh-huh. memory. Yeah. Do you think that, um, as I was, I was thinking about it, and I think a lot of the stories end kind of on like a downer note where mm-hmm. it's like you don't really know if anything's going to change. Uh-huh. But do you think that the events of like the dead happen quick enough and like strong enough for like maybe there could be some change later on? Or do you think that it's like a, or at least, like, Gabriel is more aware of himself now, I think. I think Gabriel's and then, more aware of himself. You, but I think that, honestly, I want to think that maybe it ends on a hopeful note. But I don't know if it's hopeful. I think maybe it's just I more feel like, like it's this is not, how it is. I feel like it's not not hopeful. Yeah. I think it's very specifically not either direction. Because that is what life is. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you never know if things are going to get better or not. But I believe there's always the potential for things to get better. Mm -hmm. And I think that that potential exists. It's just that it may or may not happen. There's just no certainty in knowing. But I do think especially with that one at the end, I think that there's a lot of potential for things to improve. It's really up to Gabriel at this point. Yeah. I I mean, but he's shown that he's capable of like growth and understanding. I think so, too. And I don't think think he's really did that much wrong. I think it's I don't really think it's a story where it's like, I don't think any of these are really your, the characters are doing anything wrong. I think no. it's just how they are it's reacting just, to yeah. life. They're just living life and they're just trying to follow their dreams a little bit. Yeah. And, and like, then... are they going to be beaten down basically? Yeah, exactly. I think one, the, like the only, one of the only stories that I felt like had a somewhat, ah, uh, this is going to be maybe good ending was, do you remember, unless I totally misread it, the one with the, the two people, the the boarding house one. Did that seem like a maybe they'll get married? <laughs> oh, I thought they were going to get married, but I didn't think it was going to be like a good marriage. I guess not. I mean, I felt not very hopeful. I do think that they'd get. I do think they were getting married, but yeah, I don't know how that one was going to go. I felt like at any point, any one of them could have been like, "I'm backing out." Yeah, and then they didn't. I think that they, I think but they, they could have. I think they could maybe like, not be getting married. I think that they're getting married. <laughs> they I left it kind of open ended. They did, but I think that they would because what most of the characters 
like to seems to be true of the characters is this impression that they continue on the trajectory that they're already on even if they have second thoughts and <sighs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, you're right. That one's probably sad. Yeah. I think I was just looking for something. Sorry. I mean, it's still this thing is the thing about human nature is that there's no guarantee that things will be good, but there's also no guarantee that things will be bad. Maybe they'll both end up loving each other. <laughs> no, I mean it's true. <laughs> it's very true. Maybe one day they realize. Did either they of have... them seem especially bad? Now I can't remember. Was he terrible? Uh, he wasn't. He wasn't great. He wasn't like the all time worst, but he wasn't great. Okay, I think I might have been mixing that one with some other one. I mean, if I'm remembering correctly. No, you're probably but, right. Um, but I mean, I think that's what's interesting about. I wouldn't say any of these are particularly hopeful or not hopeful. I w- like, so I didn't feel particularly depressed. I don't know. I just, it is so very much the human experience of, I guess it's how you feel about life. I mean, do you feel like life has the potential to improve or not? It, it probably depending on your mood on the day, you'll feel very differently uh-huh. about the conclusions to these stories because they're just so open-ended there's no guarantee either way and there's really no implication either way of how things go (laughs) there's really not yeah i think though this is coming back to the of mice and men thing where remember you and my dad were like (laughs) i'll rewrite the yeah and i was like no it has to be sad yeah i kind of want it to be sad i don't want it to be i think they're all sad and I, I like that. Wow. No, I I think it's probably realistically a mixed bag. I'm sure some of them continue on the same trajectory. And maybe some of them step off or turn it around a little or something new well, happens. Okay, I will say, I do hope Araby Boy just dusts it off, you know? Yes. He doesn't have to live with this forever. That was like one disappointing thing. He can learn the world is a disappointing place sometimes, but it doesn't mean you have to live like that all the time. Yes. And I'm sure and Gabriel has learned that there's more to his wife than he knew. That's and right. That maybe he has never understood the fullness and depth of love. And now he's going to explore that. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. OK, maybe it can be happy. Yes. I'm going back and forth. It can it's be. It's kind of more fun if or it's sad. Or he but... can choose to wallow in the fact that he <laughs> believes that his wife will never love him as much as she loves a dead boy. <laughs> Which is a little immature. silly, I think. What's the, just... I think that his, implica- his idea right now is a little bit like he's gone... He's thinking of the absolute worst. Yes. But I also think this that... This is the first, like, five minutes of him finding this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. So he's like, oh, my God, she doesn't even like me. But I think yeah. that there is... It's, it is fun to wallow in it a little bit. This idea of, like... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, everybody does. And it's just... And this is why that there's no way of telling whether or not these characters have truly happy or sad endings or where things go from there is because... They, none of them really have endings. None of them have endings at all. And the the greatest curse and blessing of human nature, of being a human, is, the cho- is choice, is free will. And each of these characters has shown that they absolutely have choice. So is Gabriel going to choose to be sulky wah wah about this forever and just like to choose to not learn anymore about his wife choose to grow farther from her and instead of choosing to explore this new feeling about love and discovery and stuff or is he gonna like is he gonna do that or is he not gonna do that like he has to choose and he could choose either way because this also with these being short stories we don't know enough about these characters to know to make like a really much of an educated guess on what they're gonna do yeah i think that's the interesting part about all being short stories too like maybe if it was a whole book we could definitely draw some kind of implication or some kind of like maybe semi-accurate guess about where the characters go from the end of the book but with all the short stories it's just 
a day in their life and you get to see something and we don't really know enough about them to see what kind of choices they typically make. So at the end, they all have a choice to make or have just made a choice and have more choices ahead of them. And we have no idea what they're going to do. they're stuck in the life they're living and they can never get out. What if that? How about not? <laughs> Some of them, maybe. That's, they're if, stuck if in they poverty choose. in Dublin, maybe. That's true, but... Yes, but every, there's choices about like how to like mentally approach and how to yeah, like what you're, right. you're going to develop emotionally and stuff. Mean. You're just like, what if what <laughs> if they choose to be depressed? And what if they choose to never cha- try to change their lives? What if they choose to never hope? <laughs> what if the world is terrible and there is no hope? And I'm like, what if what if every single no, person? No, you're right. Is, it's the beauty different. of it is that it's a there's a lot of ambiguity mm-hmm. and there's a lot of unanswered questions yeah and it makes you think about your life it does it does and I'm sure just like everybody I really think all the characters in these short stories it's a mixed bag for whether their stories ended happily or not by their own fault or not well I mean maybe some of them are like trying to like you know move forward and do good stuff in their life they still get like a hard situations over and over again it happens so you know what maybe the guy who that lady who died in the train Maybe when after that, he's like, you know what? Life is short and I need to go out and live my life more than I do. Because he was like, I'm going to die. Nobody's going to even know that I died. Yeah. But you know what? He doesn't have to do that. No. Just because he had a fling with a woman who was depressed. No, he definitely does not have to do that. Doesn't mean that he has to wallow in that forever. You're right. Yeah. Maybe he'll turn it around. He very much might. Oh. And then he could still get hit by a train. That's oh life. my god! Or he might that not. That would be ironic. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. There is absolutely no way no to guarantees. know what choice they're going to make. If their life's going to get better, if it's going to get worse, if it's going to be their fault, if it's not going to be their fault. There's just because there's just no way of knowing in life. This is just like the most easily the most human stories I've ever read. The most mm-hmm. genuinely human experiences. Yeah, I yeah. love it. So many uh, different stories i'm gonna choose to believe i don't i don't want sad endings but i don't want unrealistically hopeful endings for these stories i just i think that it's a toss-up it's just human it's human so it's a toss-up every every human life is just a toss-up so how it's gonna go we you never really know what you're gonna make it what decision you're gonna make till you're faced with it life's what you make (laughs) it so let's make it sad (laughs) so let's make it um, rock yeah. That's the line, right? Well, yeah, it's the line. Okay. Yeah, I was like, oh, how can <laughs> Let's I? Let's make it Dublin. <laughs> Let's make it to Dublin. <laughs> I love Dublin. I want to go back to Dublin. I know you don't like Dublin. I mean, I, I like it compared to American cities, but no, of all of Ireland, <laughs> Dublin. Well, actually, Galway was my least favorite. Um, I only was in Galway for like five hours that's the thing i was only there for like a day because we'd spent the night there but we didn't really do anything there but maybe it's just the part of galway we were in but it was such like a city city oh really rough. the part i was in was like so cute oh, oh yeah, i must have just we gone were. to different spots i'm sure but i loved dublin because it is like it's like a city but it's but like it's walkable cool. almost. it is walkable <laughs> and it's um that's where i got harassed by street urchins i know that's why i thought tram. you didn't like it <laughs> well i didn't like that part i didn't like that 
But the rest of Dublin is okay. I like how there's a nice river mm-hmm. and um, there's a pretty park. Like I said, for a city, I love it. I just don't like cities in general. Mm-hmm. So it's still not where I would choose to go. Yeah. I mean, I loved Doolin because there was nobody there, just some sheep. And I was like, hell <laughs> You're like, yes. this is the life. This is the life. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah. I want to go to Northern Ireland. I want to go to... Um, all that stuff. Cool. Giants Causeway. Mm-hmm. Dairy. Yeah. Belfast. Dairy. What else they got Dairy in Northern girls. Ireland? What else they got in Northern Ireland? I don't know. You can be up north. I do not know much about Northern Ireland at all. Javi's family came from the Republic of Ireland, so. Yeah. And I don't know. My my Irish family is another generation back, so I don't know where they came from. But Javi's mom was born in Ireland, so. I, really? I didn't know it was that close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where she was born. Um, and the, did she have an accent? Apparently, she did when he was like little, but yeah, she had moved. But she had moved back to the U.S. Ugh. So yeah, she says that you don't, you can't really tell, except for sometimes when she's talking like really fast. Yeah, <laughs> but she always talks really, really fast, so I don't catch a lot of what she says. I'm like, what was that? Oh my god, her energy is like <laughs> unmatched. Um. But yeah, so fun stuff. Fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. Fascinating. He's very proud of his like family crest because you can track the O'Rourke name back to like, he says one of the original 10 clans of Ireland. And I'm like, this is debatable, but I'll let you go for it. I mean, I I love it. I'll take it. Sure. Is it potentially untrue? Maybe. I don't know. I had a lot of fun in Scotland seeing Shaw crests everywhere. Oh, see, I that was is like, fun. heck yeah. It's fun to go, hey, see, I've been like gaming with this group of um, the people, they're like from all over and like largely European and they're so funny. And I asked them, I was like, hey, I, I saw this like TikTok that said that like it really bugs Europeans when Americans talk about their like ancestral heritage. <laughs> they're like, you are not one of us. <laughs> and I was like, is that true? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, could you tell me why? Because it's just, it's so ingrained in our culture here. And I think I didn't want to like explain from our perspective because they started to get heated about it. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was really just curious. Yeah. Because here it's just like, uh, if anyone's listening who is European and also doesn't get it, you have to think back here. Most families have not been here for hundreds of years. That's like old, Amer- like not even American, but that's like old settler blood. There are very, very few families you can trace back because most people were still immigrants, even like oh, yeah. a generation or most two. Most of America ago. is recent immigrants. Is recent, yeah. So we're not just immigrant based; like it's very recent. So to track back our history like and our quote unquote like family roots which have those have been important to people since bible times like yeah to i trace think everyone cares lineage. about that to some extent everybody has been obsessed since the beginning of time with tracing their lineage because mm-hmm. it i don't know makes you feel like you're connected to something that's yeah. been here before you and will be there long after you yeah and in america we have this um it's just so unique here in the sense that we can't do that without reaching largely to other countries because that's where we came from, yeah. where most of us came from, because it was a colonized country, which yeah. I mean, lots of feelings about that. But here we are hundreds <laughs> of years later and we well, have nothing I'm to do with <laughs> Here we are. Um, so anyways, if anyone's ever wondering why, that's why we do it. But I didn't yeah. have the chance to explain that because I don't know that they would really care anyways. But they were saying that it feels like people are just selective and they only choose the... Uh, they only choose like the cultures that they think are cool and that they just guess. And I'm like, hey, there's a little bit of that. Sure. But there's definitely some of that. But also it's just 
I don't think I've ever seen anyone do it in like any kind of derogatory way. Like it's just like this is supposedly people where are my just excited. From. Like, hey, I think this is where my yeah. family's from. It's, it's, I mean, it's do I more so claim my Scottish heritage than my British heritage? Yes. Yeah. Because screw you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to our Brit listeners. See, you know I, I, I love you specifically. I think that's like what they were saying too. Is like we're just so selective about like what we choose to identify as, like from our ancestry or whatever. Our well, heritage. okay, whatever. Let us have it. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you because so many of us like. The thing is, like, we do have to trace back largely to our European roots, right? If we want to track our lineage yeah, well, at white all. Yeah, white people. So we're, yes, because we're white. <laughs> Lots of us are white. So we have to trace back if we want to, like, learn where our family came from. It's probably multiple different places in Europe. I bet y'all's are too, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah. My grandma, who has always been like she grew up extremely italian her Mm -hmm. mother was like from italy yes they all spoke italian Mm -hmm. like all this yep she took one of those dna test things she had like (laughs) like 20 percent italian yeah like so that's the thing everyone moves around on this earth that's the thing everybody moves around (laughs) she might be culturally italian but it doesn't mean she's like genetically italian Italian. that's the thing too is i think there's a lot of like since people started doing like the dna tests like Mm -hmm. it's getting the difference between what you where you came your family came from genetically and where you came from culturally is getting very mixed up and that's very different like i did the dna test out of sheer curiosity and I got like one person, not one percent, but it was a really low percentage of Italian. And my grandmother and her entire family were born and raised in Italy. It still live there. And I grew up going to Italy and speaking Italian like heavily. So even though I'm not, you know, a whole half Italian, I was raised so much in the culture that if I was going to and I don't this is not me claiming it because I like <laughs> it because I have some feelings about Italian culture, let me tell you. But culturally, I was raised with tons of legitimately Italian influence mm-hmm. but genetically i'm like hella french or something yeah which is, i have no i've never heard of that anywhere so i'm like so somebody moved to italy from yes. france or something or to ireland from france because uh-huh. that's my other side and then there's some german because there's always like a ton of people um from all over the place but anyways so mm-hmm. anyways it's just weird it's just weird so it's yeah it's just weird and interesting and we like to talk about it here because we want to feel like we're connected to something um that like lasts longer than that's like has more of a history than like a couple hundred years. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what got me on that. I don't know, but I'm it was sure fun was to talk about. That was fun to talk about. Wow, this ended up being actually a longer episode. Well, not longer, but normal. Good for us. I actually think I started that point to say that I see where people who don't like that Americans do that come from, and I was going to actually validate their point, and then I ended up talking about my own <laughs> trashing their point. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm not trashing it. Their point is valid. I just like, I get it. I just also like wish a little bit that they would maybe take a second to think about why we do that. Like we're not trying to be like vain or shallow at all. Yeah. We're trying to actually be respectful of those countries and we just want to know more anyways. Yeah. I very much would like to know more about my, like the people who are in my family. Yeah. From before. Very interesting. interesting. I don't know. If you actually think about it, isn't it crazy that you're alive? Because <laughs> that means you have like a direct line like all the way, way through back, history. Yes. So well, you're I related think... to someone at every point in history. Yep. Isn't that crazy? It's insane. You just broke my brain saying that. That's isn't wild. that insane? I think the reason you're related that... to a caveman. 
Wow. <laughs> so are you. I know. Actually, did you know that people with European ancestry are more Neanderthal than everybody else? That's not even surprising to me at all. <laughs> I don't mean that as an insult. I'm just saying it's scientifically true. Sounds accurate. Like, uh, percentage-wise, because, you know, just like how early man species migrated and stuff. Interesting. So people from Africa are like the least Neanderthal. That's funny. I like to think about, I think also the reason that, I don't know if this is the same for everyone else, but the huge, like a huge reason that I'm like so interested to like learn about like the cultures in the places where my family came from before they obviously got to America is because I think about like if I had been alive like 400 or 500 or 600 years ago I just want to know like where would I have been yes and what would I be doing right now yes I think about that all the time and I can't if I don't literally like if I only let myself think about America I'm like that's it dead end I that's it. There's nowhere also, to go. Also, your family probably wasn't even here at the beginning of America, like no, we said. No, exactly. Like, who? The old, like, Mayflower families. Who did not leave the East Coast? <laughs> yeah, the there's old just blue no way. blood money of the Northeast. <laughs> One thing that I think is funny is that there's, like, this common thing where... Almost every older person in America is like, well, I have some Cherokee blood or oh whatever. Oh, my God. That's and the worst. literally none of them do. Yeah, no. Okay, listen. <laughs> those are the, the – see, that's – if that's what you want to make fun of it, that's what you have a problem with. <laughs> listen, we all – we have a problem with that, too. <laughs> that is so funny. That is the worst. I mean, yeah. It doesn't come – I don't think that comes from a bad place. It comes from a very misguided place. Yeah, I, I mean, whatever. It's like it is so silly. That's why I think sometimes the DNA thing is funny because it it's like, I mean, this is just like I think everybody mm-hmm. has had this, you know. Yeah, <laughs> everybody's family claims that there's some part there's Native some American, part something, and or I'm other. like, no, you're not. No, no, it's true. <laughs> they do. Uh, it's so true. It's so frustrating. Um, yeah, yeah. I definitely had a grandfather who said that we were. I don't know, part something. And I was like, I don't believe you at all. He also said we were part alien. So I was like, okay. what? Yeah, he told us we were part alien. And I was like, I would sooner believe that. (laughs) You know, who's to say? I bet they don't even test for the alien DNA and the genetics. This is what I'm saying. So it very well could be true. Maybe that's what like 20% of that weird French DNA was actually (laughs) alien. They were just like... Uh, I don't you know. heard it here, folks. Pe- <laughs> Wait, what? You heard it here first, folks. French DNA similar to alien <laughs> DNA. <laughs> similar enough for DNA test to mistake it one for the other. Oh, now the French are going to come for us. Come at me. <laughs> yeah, they'll quit before they get here. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Just kidding. If just it had been kidding. the Italians making fun of it, we would have said they would have changed their minds before they got yeah. here. I actually, Let's I want to go to France all really the European bad. Countries. If you're from France, I'm sorry, and I want to come visit you. If you're from Italy, I'm not sorry. I've been there already. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. There's some amazing things about Italy and about Italian culture. I just have also, I also have other very personal opinions about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Guess what? I watched The Godfather for the first time the other day. <laughs> yeah, did you? Oh, it was crazy. <laughs> it yeah, was crazy. I loved it. I it's was like, crazy. man, Italians are crazy. What if they were real? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gee, I'm so I'm so glad Italians aren't real, <laughs> aren't you? Yeah. The Godfather can't possibly, like, come on. Italians aren't real, so it's okay. That yeah, seriously, next like that. next you're gonna hear that the French are real or something. Yeah, that's okay. Let's not get crazy now. <laughs> Anyways, it's it's jokes. It's jokes. Oh, we didn't pinkies up. Oh, what are you pinkies up? Five. Partners? Actually, I was gonna give it five as well. What? Hell yeah! 
I cool. love this for us. Five pinkies up for Dublin. I just don't know how I can. Choice. I cannot possibly read this level of writing and be like, no. Yeah. To me, it's five star writing. Fully agree. Okay. I get the same thing I get when I read F. Scott Fitzgerald, where I'm like, oh, God, I have such. Oh my God, a, I love Fitzgerald. I am so jealous. Yep. Like I wish I could evoke this kind of emotion. <sighs> I wish I could evoke emotion like James Joyce did in this book. Mm-hmm. I mean Fitzgerald too, but I actually think I enjoy this more than Fitzgerald, who I love. I really want to read Ulysses. You let me know how that is. Isn't it really long? Um, probably. Maybe I'll read Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man first. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I don't remember how I felt about that one because it was for school, and so I hated everything I had to do for school purposes. <laughs> okay, so next week we will be reading Illuminae by Amy Kaufman, which I believe is was a book wreck from Carissa Harlow once again. I think that's like three Dang, book wrecks Carissa. from Carissa for this season. We got to cut her off. We <laughs> do. Well, last season she's like, is this too many? And Because I had just said something in one of our episodes about – um. I was like, yeah, so we're still, like, a few books short. We haven't, like, finished getting, like, enough, like, uh, book recs or whatever. Which, by the way, you guys, we are not having that problem for season no, four. Y'all Thank y'all. y'all really sending them. You are wonderful. I'm so excited for the book uh, recs y'all keep sending our They're way. They're so good. I'm really keep excited. Keep it up. We still have some spots open. But anyway, so last you season, You are an active like, part of the club. You are an active part of the club. And they're like, we don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> I quit. Here's my resignation. <laughs> you made fun of the Europeans one too many times. My family's European. <laughs> <laughs> they're like i actually really claim my french ancestry <laughs> how dare you <laughs> we actually do have some british listeners and they're so sweet for sticking around oh you guys are so nice bless you yeah you know, i know it's sorry. just jokes it is just i a- like you specifically the thing is i feel like when we make fun of europeans it's about stuff that's actually admirable and then people make fun of americans for like uh y'all are mean to us okay for every meal it's mean it's like they're patty. mean they're like how about you're fat and your schools are shooting galleries? Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, you're that's like, not funny. You're like, that's just cruel. Okay, we know. Yeah, like, shut up. It is, it's, it's vicious. It's very mean. It's vicious, so I don't feel too bad. You're fat too. Everybody's fat, okay? <laughs> Literally, yeah. It's true. Get over it. <laughs> Get over it. What about your school systems? Moving on. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed this slightly less chaotic than last episode it definitely episode. well last time was fable haven that was oh, pretty the one before no fable haven was fairly on point yeah yeah what are people even complaining about yeah <laughs> shut up <laughs> <laughs> okay. thank you guys for listening join us next week for illuminate by amy kaufman and have a wonderful week try and stay cool hopefully your ac works and until then <laughs> keep your teacups full your pinkies high and your book club pretentious goodbye goodbye, goodbye.